You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles and go to the book of Philippians. We'll be there in just a minute as you're turning there. Uh, Brant mentioned the Christmas offering, which is today. So we're excited to close out this series and uh, close out this offering today. And uh, the next two weeks are, are, are going to be focused on Christmas, and so this uh, next two weeks, I encourage you guys to bring your family, your friends, as we celebrate on Sunday mornings with a lot of good Christmas um, songs that, that um, we, we grew up singing, and also some, some newer ones that kind of uh, help us to focus on this time of year, as well as just hear from God's Word, the, the story of what Christmas really means for us. And so we're excited about the next two weeks, and excited to celebrate our, our Christmas Eve service. If you've never been to our Christmas Eve service, it's really, really awesome. We do the Lord's Supper, we, uh, we pray, we sing uh, the best of the best songs, and uh, it's just a great time. We've, so two opportunities um, on Christmas Eve to come and celebrate with us. And, and so then in January, um, we're excited to, to recap and, and update you um, as well on our Invest uh, series and, and what God is doing and, and some details as far as our new building and property and that kind of stuff. So uh, get ready for that in January. And, and really, um, the January 11th, um, that's the, the second Sunday in January, we decided to do something completely different uh, because of all the great things that God has done um, in 2014. We wanted to be able to celebrate that uh, together as one church. And so instead of having three services here on this campus, we're actually on January 11th, we're going to meet um, at uh, the Clayton Center um, on Maryville College campus and have one huge, awesome, uh, amazing um, experience for our entire church. So mark your calendars on January 11th. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you show up here, you'll have to make a, a, a quick run over there and we're just going to have a lot of fun. So we'll We'll, we'll do that, and that's January 11th, so we're really super excited. And uh, today, closing out the series, Love Does. And so we've been learning over the last few weeks that if we have an authentic, true love for God, then it allows us and encourages us and motivates us to actually do something for Him and for others. Uh, we're called to love God, to love others, and when we, when we truly have that love, it's a part of who we are. Uh, we're truly following Christ, and that's going to move us into action. And so we started uh, week one by, by seeing that love calls us to love the unlovable. And so we talked about that and how that encourages us and what that looks like. We talked uh, in the second week about how uh, love works by faith. And so um, when, when we are serving and when we are, our, our works don't save us, but uh, our works are an expression of the love that we have for God. And, and then we looked at, at how love casts out fear. And, and today I want to close the series by talking about how love gives extravagantly. Love gives extravagantly. And so the whole concept today is, is generosity because when we truly love God, when that, that love for God is authentic and real, it leads us to imitate God uh, and, and we're going to see today that God is a generous being. He is a generous God. And so to, to imitate him, to follow him uh, means that we ourselves are generous people. And so I was thinking about this question this week. What is the most generous act the world has ever seen? The most generous act the world has ever seen from the beginning of time until now. And, and uh, if you think about that, you'll think of someone, um, a, a couple of people probably will come to your mind, people like Mother Teresa. Uh, you know her story. She spent uh, over 40 plus years in the poorest of the poor uh, country of all time in India and in Calcutta. And she developed a ministry to um, kids who were orphans, who were diseased and sick and who everybody else just kind of cast out on the road in the street. And she 
um, was called by God to go and serve there. And so she, um, her entire life was a demonstration of generosity. What's the most generous act you've ever seen or heard about? You might think of of Mother Teresa. You might think of a man by the name of Bill Gates. Um, Bill Gates is a part of a, a, a program that he himself created with William Buffett. And, and the program is that they uh, have promised to give away at least half of their uh, income uh, by the end of their life. And so uh, he's well on his way. Uh, he has given $30.2 billion, billion with a a B. Um, he has given a, a large amount of money away and he gives to organizations that solve uh, global issues like hunger and, and poverty and uh, uh, curable diseases around the world and research, scientific research. So um, the man has given a ton, a ton of money away. You might think of him. You might think of Oscar Schindler. Uh, some of you have seen the movie Schindler's List. It's kind of an older movie. Um, it's in black and white. For some of you young kids, you've never seen black and white. Um, uh, and they did that on purpose, by the way. Um, so it's a very graphic movie, but it is a very powerful movie. And so Oscar Schindler was a man in Germany um, who had compassion on um, the Jews that were there. And he was buying Jews to come and work in his factory. And his factory made artillery for the German army. And, and so he was essentially saving them from the Nazis um, in the concentration camps and ultimately death by hiring them and bringing them in and protecting them from the Nazis. And so um, as the war uh, came to a conclusion, the Allies were coming into Germany and he knew he was going to get arrested and he was going to get in trouble. So he began to uh, flee. And before he left, all the Jews that he had protected and cared for during that time uh, surrounded him and gave him a gift. They gave him a, golden, uh, a gold ring. And there was an inscription in Hebrew on the ring which said, Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. And so their gratitude and appreciation for him and what he did during that time uh, was evident. And, and, and they realized that the hundreds of lives that he saved was not just their lives, but their grandchildren and, and, and on down the line. Very powerful ending to the movie that I wanted you guys to actually see and, and, and experience this morning. So uh, turn our attention to the screens and let's see the end of this movie. Idea. If I just 
generations because of what you did. I didn't do enough. You did so much. This car. Good, what about this car? Why did I keep the car? Then So as generous as he was throughout his life, um, the, the close of the story is, is this sad portrayal of the fact that he could have done more. Um, and, and his wish and, and, and his regret was that I, I could have done more, I could have saved more people. I, I, I wasted you know, resources, I raced, wasted energy and time on these things and, I, and there's so much more I could have done. And when I watched that, I mean, it's a very emotional scene and, and uh, it caused me to think through like, you know, me, me personally, like I, I, wanna, I wanna be a generous person and I, I don't want to get to the end of my life and then have regrets and, and say I, I could have done more. I wish I would have done more. I could have helped more people. I could have, I could have saved more people. I could have, I could have whatever, fill in the blank. But, but the, the reality is we don't want to get to the end of our life and have this, this huge you know, uh, book of regrets. We want to lay it all on the line now. We want to live for Christ now. We don't want to waste our life. We don't want to waste our time. And so we want to look at generosity today. And, and to be generous just simply means that you freely share what you have with others. It's, it's when I give of something that is, is precious to me, something that's valuable to me, and I give it and I share it with other people. And so that means that I'm, I'm sharing my time. Um, so my, my time is precious and valuable to me. But when I'm generous with my time, I'm serving others and I'm, I'm caring for others. When I'm generous with my money, my resources, I'm giving uh, those resources to others. When I'm generous with my, my talents, then I'm using my gifts, not just to support you know, my needs and my family, but I'm using my gifts to support and build up other people. And so uh, this idea of generosity is, is fundamental when we um, uh, are trying to live a life uh, as Christ lived his life. And so uh, the book of Philippians is, is a great book. It's, it's a book um, that, uh, it, it was really a letter and it's a, it's a thank you note. Uh, the, the church that Paul started in a city called Philippi, um, he writes them a letter and we call that letter Philippians. And so he, he's thanking them for an offering, a gift, a financial gift that the church had given to him. So all throughout the book, the book is about uh, thankfulness. It's about generosity and how their generosity um, has led to joy. And so this, this joy and this generosity is really the theme of the whole book. So what I wanted to do today is I wanna go through the entire book and just uh, find uh, the, the key verses as it relates to generosity and show us, you know, kind of a survey of generosity as it relates to uh, this book 
um, of, of Philippians. Now, Paul wrote, uh, and, and, and he gave uh, much of his life to the gospel, obviously, and he planted churches in, in uh, cities like Corinth, and we call the letters that he were, uh, wrote to that church, First and Second Corinthians. Um, he wrote um, and planted a church in a city called Thessalonica, and he wrote two letters to, to them. We call that First and Second Thessalonians. If, if he would have planted Foothills Church and wrote us a letter, it would have been First and Second Foothillians, I guess, or or Merivillians, I don't know. For us, it probably would have just been Mervillians. And so we kind of would have just kept it short. But, but you get the point. He's, he's writing um, letters to the churches that he is, he's planted in, and he's in prison. He's um, uh, waiting to be executed by Nero. He's in Rome. He's an older man by this time. And so he's writing this thanks, uh, uh, thankful note to this church. And so um, I want to start in verse 3 of chapter 1. And just kind of work our way through each chapter here with a few key verses. So he starts by saying this in verse three. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul here is, is thankful to God as he remembers their partnership with him. And their partnership is their financial offering and financial gift that they sent to him. And so he, he's thankful to them. Now, if you're taking notes, generosity, number one, is a reflection of gratitude. Generosity is a reflection of gratitude. Um, we see here Paul being uh, grateful. He's thankful for their gift. Now, Paul is a guy who has given um, much of his life away for the gospel. He suffered in prison. He suffered all kinds of physical problems because of his ministry. And so he is, he's, he's emptied himself. He's given everything that he has to planting churches and making disciples. And so he is one who is generous for sure. And the, the, the fact that he is here thankful for the gift that they sent is just a reflection of a generous heart. You see, I don't think you can be generous if you are not thankful. Find me a thankful person, somebody who really truly celebrated Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, not just with turkey, but was thankful uh, for the people in their lives and thankful to God. And I guarantee they are also generous. The two go hand in hand. If, if, if you think for a minute um, about somebody in your life who um, you appreciate the most, Think about the, the, the person in your life that you appreciate and value the most. Think about them. Okay, without them, you wouldn't be who you are today. You appreciate them so much. Some of you are thinking of that person now. I guarantee that the person that you think of when I ask that question is also one of the most generous people you know as well. And why is that? Very simply, the most giving people are also the most appreciated people. Think about it. The people that we appreciate the most in life are those who are the most generous to us. People like your parents, maybe somebody invested in you, a teacher, a coach, somebody like that, that, that altered and changed your life. They were generous with their time. They were generous with their knowledge. They were generous with their efforts, maybe even financially to you. And as a result, it impacted and changed your life. You are forever grateful for them. Why? Because they were generous. Now here's a point that I think is true for us. You earn a living by what you make, but you earn influence by what you give. Let me say that again. You earn a living by what you make, but you earn influence by what you give. 
I don't just want to make a living. I just don't want to make a living and, and provide food and, and, and clothes for my kids. I, I mean, making a living, yeah, I, I, I have to do that. But I want to do something more with my life. I want to have influence in someone's life. And so to have influence and to point people to Jesus, to, to point people to the things that, that matter most in this life, then I have to have influence. And, and if I'm going to have influence, then I have to be a person who is generous I've got to be willing to give, give of my time, my energy, my efforts, my, my resources to other people. Why? For the kingdom of God. So as we look at this, we first and foremost need to realize that generosity is simply a reflection of a thankful heart. Are you thankful today? Are you thankful for what God has given to you? Yeah, we've got some issues and some problems and, and, and things going on in all of our lives, but at the heart of the matter, at the foundation of who we are, are we thankful for the blessings that God has given to us? Because I think out of a thankful heart comes a generous heart. Secondly, generosity leads me to become more like Christ. Flip over to chapter two. We're gonna read uh, verses three through eight because as I become more like Christ, as I begin to imitate him and take on more and more of his mind, then I become more generous. That's just the nature of who Jesus is, the nature of who God is, um, his generosity. And, and this is a great example of that in verse three. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. I mean, that is so difficult to do, isn't it? To consider others more significant than ourselves. Our culture teaches us to do the exact opposite, to think of yourself more highly than other people and, and to have a, a higher self-esteem and a higher confidence and, and you are more important than, than other people. And we value the people that actually think that way. And Jesus calls us to a life that is completely different. Verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Again, I mean, we're, it's so easy to look after my own interest, isn't it? Because I'm concerned about me. I'm concerned about my kids and my own house and my own stuff. And it's so difficult for me to consider other people's stuff and to you know, put, put what's interesting to them and for them above what's interesting for me. I mean, that's difficult to do, but that's what a generous heart does. That's what generosity does. That's what Jesus has done. In verse five, he says, have this mind among you. In other words, have the mind of Christ here. And this is the mind of Christ. Here's what he did. He, uh, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was uh, the, in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In other words, he left heaven, took the form of man, actually came in the form of a baby. He humbled himself to live with his creation and to be subjected to the sacrifice of the cross, to be subjected to all the, 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 the pain and suffering of the world. And he he did this, he made himself nothing in the form of a servant. Verse eight, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So Jesus is, is, is our example. He is exactly who we should think of when we think of generosity because this is the most generous act the world has ever seen. That he would humble himself, that, that he would um, give up heaven, that he would give up um, the, the, the glory around him in heaven to be generous to me, to be generous to you by providing salvation for us 
by sacrificing his own life. You see, Jesus is a giver. It is his nature. It is who he is. He is a giver. His whole life was about generosity. And if God was not generous, if he was not a giver, then we wouldn't even be here today. He wouldn't even have given us life. You know, the the legs that he has given to me to be able to walk around is a gift from him. My eyes, the fact that my heart is beating right now is all a gift from God. The very fact that I'm here able to speak to you today is a gift from God. The Bible says this, that every good and perfect gift comes from our heavenly Father. Every gift. That means that I didn't earn anything, that I didn't create anything on my own. We say, well, I thought of that idea and that idea has made me money. Well, who gave you the brain that you used to have that thought? Okay, got me. God did, you know. Everything traces back to God's gift to us because everything that we have belongs to him and is a gift from him. And so if I'm going to become more like him, then at the very essence of that journey is, is, is my journey to become more generous, a more giving and sharing and generous person because God is generous. Number three, generosity reveals what really matters to me. Flip over to chapter three. Generosity reveals what really matters to me. Because here's the deal. You're either generous to other people or you're generous to yourself. You're generous to yourself with your own money because you go and you buy yourself a lot of cool stuff and you like that stuff, you know? You're generous to yourself with your own time and and you use all of your time uh, for things that benefit you. You know, I, I spend time doing hobbies because they benefit me. I, I enjoy them. I have fun with them. I, I, I spend a lot of time at work because I enjoy work. It makes money and I enjoy that money. And so, so you're either generous with yourself or you're generous with others. So at the end of the day, generosity, who or what you're generous with or to, reveals what really matters to you. So that's all you got to do. You got to look at what you're generous towards. If you're generous towards your kids, then man, your kids really matter to you. And that's great. Your wife really matters to you, that's awesome. But at the end of the day, where is God in that equation? Because if you truly are committed to Christ, if you truly are motivated by the love of God, then, then your, not, your, your generosity will reflect that. Your generosity will reveal that Christ Jesus truly matters to you. Look at verses seven and eight here in chapter three. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, everything that I have, everything that I've gained outside of Christ is, is, is nothing. It's, it's not even important to me. Look at this as he continues. For his sake, he says, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He says, everything that I've gained outside of Christ, my, my, my knowledge, you know, my education, the money that I made, the, the, you know, the power that I had as a Pharisee, he was, he was large and in charge you know, uh, of the Pharisees at that time. And so he's very prominent. All of those accolades, everything that he so-called earned, he says, it's rubbish, it's trash, it's garbage. It means nothing to me apart from Jesus Christ. He says, Christ is the only thing that matters. Generosity reveals what really matters to me. Jesus said it like this, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. In other words, your life doesn't consist of what you have. So many people spend so much time, you know, know, making a lot of money, getting a lot of stuff. 
You know, collecting a lot of stuff and feeling like we have to go on a lot of vacations. We have to have a lot of toys and we have to give our kids everything. And we spend so much of our energy, you know, accruing and piling up all of this stuff. And Jesus says, you know, your life isn't, isn't about the abundance of your stuff. Life isn't about all the things that, that you have possessed. You see, uh, we should use things to love people. But instead, we reverse that and we start loving things and using people. And God would call us to a completely different lifestyle to use our things to love people. And, and, and so when we have that perspective, then we can become a, a man, a woman of God that truly understands and, and values Christ in our life. I think the number one reason why people aren't generous with their time and, and serve in the church or generous with, with money or, or generous with just their talents is, is, is time. We don't have time to do these things. And, and so um, I, was, I was reading through um, a couple of verses um, a couple of weeks ago, and Psalm 39 came to my attention. And so I just want to read this over you guys. <clears throat> it's not going to be on the screen. Maybe you can go there later this week and, and look it up and, and just kind of think through it. But here's what, here's what David says. This is a prayer to God. He says this in, in verse 4 of chapter 39. He says, O oh Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. <laughs> what? I mean, this is his prayer to God. In other words, God, show me and help me to understand just how short my life is. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreaths, <laughs> and my lifetime is as nothing before you. In other words, my life is so short, God. It's like a breath compared to you. And so his, his, his prayer is, help me to know how short my life is and, and how valuable and precious time is. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. David says, look, man is, is in turmoil, spending so much time and en energy heaping up wealth. And at the end of the day, he doesn't even know who's going to gather that. Because we're not taking it with us. Somebody else is going to gather those resources. Somebody else's, Uncle Sam's going to take a portion of that, isn't he? Or you're, you know, maybe your kids. But at the end of the day, somebody else is going to own your house. Somebody else is going to own your car. And eventually it's going to go into the junkyard. Your house is going to be refinished and rebuilt. Everything that we have is diminishing. It's going away. And David's prayer is that, God, help me to know how short my life is. And, and, and here's, here's the deal. I think when we begin to understand just how short life is, then we can begin to value our time a little bit differently. And then the, the, the time that we waste during the day watching TV and playing games and running around crazy and, and doing all this stuff, it, it, it becomes that heaping up of material possessions that, that cause turmoil in our life. And so when we understand who Christ is, we understand you know, our, our, how, how valuable time is and how short our life is, then maybe we can become more generous with it, understanding what truly is important in life. Number four, generosity allows my faith to grow. This is an important one. My faith gets stronger as I become more generous. Why is that? Well, let me give you an example. So I, I have a set amount of money that I'm gonna use to pay my bills, but I find out that you have a need. And uh, you're going through a financial need. And so I decide that I'm going to bless you and give you um, some of my resources, some of my money. And as I give that to you, the money I was going to spend on my bills, now I have to trust God to provide for me. 
I'm gonna give this away and I'm gonna trust God to provide for me. And as I do that, that journey, that process, it allows my faith to grow. It gives me the opportunity to trust in God, to wait on God. So I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking God to, you know, to provide for my needs. And, and as I wait for him and I struggle with that, he's growing my faith. And then when he answers that prayer, then my faith explodes and it gets really, really strong. And it's like every time I'm generous with my time and God, if I give time to my church, then, then that's gonna take away time from my business. And so God, I'm gonna trust you as I give time here that you're gonna bring the right customers and you're gonna provide the right resources to continue to make this happen. And, and so in that tension, our faith grows. If you are not being generous with anything in your life, then your faith is more than likely stagnant because you're not trusting God for anything big. Matter of fact, you're not trusting God for anything because you pretty much figured it out on your own, so you think. But to allow my faith to grow allows me to stretch myself and to do things that, that, that would, would cause me to trust God and, and be dependent upon him. Look at chapter four of Philippians. He says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, this is verse six, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So here's the deal. As I'm generous with my money, he doesn't say, okay, when you're generous and you give some resources away, just worry about it. Because if you really worry about it, then that's gonna help your bank account grow. Or if you give away of your time, you know, and you're generous with your talents with somebody else and you don't charge them for your talents and so you're just being generous with those. You know, you don't worry about the time lost there. You don't worry about how you're gonna take care of your needs there. He says, just pray about it. Just give this to me. Don't be anxious about it, but pray about it. Come to me with thanksgiving and make your requests known and, and he's gonna answer and he's gonna provide. And so we don't have to be anxious as we are generous with our lives. We trust God that he's gonna take care of us. Some of you are so anxious about the Christmas season. It's like, how am I gonna buy for my kids and uncle so-and-so and aunt so-and-so and you know all these people and how are we gonna do this? And you're just worried and you're anxious and it's just like God is calling us to be generous and you figure out your budget and you just go with it and you swallow your pride. If your pride isn't you know, the coolest, nicest gift, but it's the gift that you can provide, you, just, you give it out of a generous and thankful heart and, and you don't worry about you know, the, the, you know, maybe this, whatever you're gonna you know, look like in front of other people because of your gift and, and you're not worried about how you're gonna provide for your kids. If you're generous, you just pray and let God take care of it and you're not anxious about it. And listen, that's, that's what grows our faith. That's the journey. Some of you are like, but I don't want to do that. I just want to be strong in my faith. You, you, you just can't be strong in your faith unless you are going through these situations in your life and you're trusting and leaning on God to do that. That's what it looks like. Number five, generosity is an investment into my eternal home. Look at verse 17 of chapter four. He says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. So generosity is an investment into my eternal home. So, so Paul says, look, I planted this church. I discipled you guys. I grew this thing, not because I wanted your money. I wanted you to experience the fruit of what it means to follow Christ. And, and, and where is this credit going? This credit is going to heaven. That's the credit that, that's accruing and building up as we live generous lives. We um, uh, build and grow our treasures in heaven. Jesus said it actually several times. He actually said this six times in the Bible. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. He said that six 
times in the Bible. Now, if he says it once, it's important. We've got to follow it. If he says it twice, he really means it. If it's in the Bible six times, then we, we better latch on to that concept because it's pretty important that Jesus would get that across to his people, that, that we are not living for this home on earth. We are living for our eternal home in heaven because it just makes sense for us to focus on eternity more so than earth, doesn't it? Because we're gonna be in eternity. We're gonna spend a whole lot more time in heaven than we are here. See, so when I'm generous with my resources, my time, my energy, my focus, then I am investing in my eternal rewards. I'm investing into the kingdom of God. And this is huge. There are only two things that are gonna be eternal, that are gonna be, survive everything in uh, 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 this life. Uh, two things that are gonna last forever. And that is, first of all, the word of God. Word of God will last forever. What is true today is gonna be true forever. Because God is true. He, he can't be untrue. God cannot lie. And so, so everything that he says is true, the word of God will last forever. The other thing that will last forever is people. You and I will live forever somewhere. We're gonna either exist because of our faith in Christ in heaven for eternity, or if we don't have faith in Christ, we'll exist forever in a place called hell. So people and the word of God, those are the two things that are gonna last forever. So doesn't it make sense for you and I, instead of focusing on what culture would focus on, that you and I would focus on those two things, the word of God and people, because that is what truly matters in life. We, we think it's about accruing a bunch of stuff and that's the, the lie from the enemy. And, and for us, we've got to realize that our investment in our eternal home means that people go to heaven, means that lives are transformed and it means that you and I are rewarded one day for what we've done. Finally, number six, generosity pleases God. Generosity pleases God. Look at verse 18 of chapter four. He says, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus, that's not a disease, that's a person's name, <clears throat> the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So why would he say this? Why, what does a fragrant offering have to do with a, an offering, a gift? Well, at that time, they would sacrifice by burning, you know, either an animal or they would burn sometimes, you know, crops. And that was their, their burnt offering. And as they burnt that sacrifice, that offering, then that, that smoke that would come up would fill the air with an aroma. And so that aroma was kind of like going up to heaven. And so they were, they were sacrificing this to God. This was their resources. This, was, this meant money for them. This was indeed a sacrifice, how they ate, how they provided for their family. This, this, is, this is what, how they gave of themselves financially. And so as they are giving and this, this uh, smoke goes up into the sky, you know, their mentality was that this is a fragrant offering to God. Uh, and their prayer was that this would please God, that we had sacrificed this and, and God would smell a, a pleasing fragrance, you know. And so, so the idea is that generosity pleases God. It's a sacrifice and it's acceptable and it's pleasing to God. And so when we give, when we are generous, we want what we are giving to please God. We want it to smell good, not stink, you know. So we don't give God the leftovers. We don't give God the worst of us. We don't give God the, the leftovers of our bank account. We give God the, the best. We don't give God the leftovers of our time. We prioritize so that he gets the very best from us. Now, um, parents in the room, when your kids were two, three, four years old, 
um, and you had friends over and, and, and maybe it was your kid and, and, and their kid was there and they were playing and, and uh, little Johnny like wouldn't, wouldn't share his toy, you know, and he rips it out of her hands and pushes her down or something. And, and at that point as a parent, you don't look at your friends, you know, the adults, the other parents in the room and go, oh, he's a precious little bundle of joy. We love him. You know, you don't do that, do you? Unless you're being sarcastic. Um, no, you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed when they're selfish. You're embarrassed when your kids don't share, aren't you? See, the same is true, I think, for God. Like, he, he looks at his children, you and I. It's like it pleases him when, when we share and when we're stingy. When we don't share, it displeases him. I mean, when little Johnny, your, your little Johnny shares his, his little Cheetos with little Sally, you know what every mom in the room does when she witnesses that? Oh, he just shared a Cheeto. It's so sweet. He's the sweetest little boy, you know? It pleases you, doesn't it, mom, when you see your son sharing with his friends. Um, yesterday, I went to uh, UT's graduation. My, my brother-in-law graduated from college yesterday from UT, my, my wife's little brother. And so we did that whole painful process whew, and uh, made it through all 600 plus people that were there. And uh, then we went to celebrate with a big dinner and and so when, when you have 50 people in a place, you know, it takes them a while to get the food there. And so it's like 2 o'clock, and I hadn't eaten breakfast. I'd had a cup of coffee, so I was starving. I was ready to, like, you know, bite my fingernails and eat them. And so um, as, we're, as we're waiting, the, some appetizers came out. So some chips and salsa came out, and there's 50 people, so it's not like you get to hog the whole thing. And so, um, you know, you, you get your little portion, and I, I devour them. So my plate is clean, and I'm still starving. I'm just waiting. And, and across from me is my beautiful, sweet little niece, Cora. Now, Cora's Greg and Grace's daughter, and she's so precious and sweet. And, and Cora had a plateful of chips. Okay, she's three, okay? So she, she's, all, she's all about the chips. She loves chips, and so she's eating. And so I'm, Uncle T is sitting across from her, and I'm like, if I steal them, she may scream and cry. So I'm just going to ask, Cora, can Uncle T have a chip? And she said, yeah. As cute as she could, she reached down in her plate, and she got the broken little fragment of a bit chip, <laughs> a barely a little nub, you know. And she's like, here you go, Uncle T, so proud of herself, you know. And, of course, I take it and eat it, and it was funny. And, and Grace, her mom, is sitting there, and she says, oh, no, no, Cora. We want to share with Uncle T our very best. She said, give him the, the, the best chip that you got. And she looked, and she picked up one of the big Mac Daddy, you know, chips, and she gave that to me, and I was like, yes. And then, and then I was like, man, how powerful is that? Like, how important is that to teach your children? Don't just share. Share your very best. And I thought that was a huge act of, of parenting and just a, a huge encouragement to me that, that, that we don't just want to teach our kids to share and to be generous. We want them to share their very best. And so when we share our very best, it's a pleasing sacrifice to God. It smells good to him, you know? And the exact opposite, when we give him the little nub fragment chip, I don't think that's going to please him as we would want to please our King and Savior and God. God is the most generous being we have ever known. Going back to my question at the very beginning, what's the most generous act ever in mankind? Well, it has to be the person and work of Jesus. Nothing greater has ever taught us generosity. Nothing greater has ever exhibited generosity like the Son of God coming into the world. 
We celebrate his birth in two weeks, but, but it's not just something we should celebrate once a year. This is something that we celebrate every day as a believer, that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for, your, for my sins, for your sins, and that through faith in him, he gives us uh, an eternal home in heaven. He, he forgives us of every sin that we've ever experienced, that we've ever thought about doing, that we're ever going to do in our future, and, and he wipes the slate clean. That is the most generous act the world has ever known. So as we close today, we want to be generous. I mean, as we continue to move forward as a church, we're, we're calling you to get involved, like to serve, to give, to love, to be engaged in the mission of God. And that's what this series has been about. Love does. Love does something for the kingdom of God. And we want to encourage you guys to do that. And one of the ways that you can do that today is by by giving. Everyone should have received a service guide when you walked in and there's an envelope that says Christmas offering. If you didn't get one, they're in the back and our ushers can help you. But there are two ways that you can give today. One way is by reason. So you can think about what you have, what you've got left over, what you can afford um, and go through all those logical steps and then, and then give accordingly. That's, that's by reason. Or you can give by revelation. And what I mean by that is you pray about it and you ask God, God, what do you want me to give? As you talk about it with your, with your spouse and as you pray through that, um, then you, you come to a number and, and you uh, feel comfortable with that and then you give it. Um, for some of you, um, the, the response for you today is, is, is to realize that what we're about to give is over and above what we, what we typically give. So for some of you, you're like, I have no idea you know, how to do this. I've never been a, a part of a church that gives to missions like this on a special day and, 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 and those kinds of things. And so for, for you, if you're not giving a tithe, if you're not giving a percentage on a weekly, monthly basis, whatever that is, then I say uh, for you, the most important thing for you to do is to go home today, go on our website, foothillschurch.com give, set up that recurring gift, um, weekly, monthly, whatever that is. And, and, and say, God, this is my uh, hopefully pleasing and acceptable sacrifice to you. This is my gift to you. For those of you that are already doing that, man, this is above and beyond that. And so w- whatever you're going to give today is, is between you and God. And, and we want to just encourage you to, to, to have that opportunity to think through it and pray through it and to give accordingly. Um, I heard one person say that what we spend on Christmas this year for the birth of Jesus is what we're going to actually match and give to Jesus in the mission offering, which I thought was a pretty good idea. Um, whatever it is that, that God's calling you to do, I want to encourage you to, to pray through it one last time. And as I pray over the offering that we're going to give, um, when I finish, then I'm going to ask you guys to go ahead and, and just move forward. The band is going to come and sing a song over us that um, is going to focus our attention on why we are giving. We're giving this so that God's mission continues, that revival takes place, that people's lives are changed. And so that's going to help us close out this series. And if you want to worship through that, you're more than welcome to do that. But as I finish this prayer, you guys just move forward and and come forward and give your offering in, in each of these stations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. And we ask that God, that right now, that you would help us to give faithfully, to give sacrificially, and we pray, Lord, that it would indeed honor you, that, that disciples would be made, that lives would be changed. Lord, that we would see churches planted. God, that we would see revival take place here amongst us. Revival in our city, in our, in our neighborhoods, revival in our own families, revival in our own hearts. Change us, Lord. 
Help us to realize that no matter what the gift is that we give, it, it matters. We may think it's little and it's not, not important, but Lord, everything that we give in honor of you is important. So encourage us today as we give faithfully. We praise you and we love you. For it's in Christ's name, amen.